Good morning, New Life Church. You can bring me down a little bit. Glad to see so many of you here this morning. Summer's over. Three degrees, my dashboard said this morning. Three degrees. Sorry, folks. It's coming to an end, but uh, hope you had an awesome summer. I know many of you, you've spent much of the summer maybe at a trailer, a cottage, and you're back kind of in the loop here. Uh, Good to have you uh, back. Hope you all had an awesome summer. Got some rest, relaxation, maybe made some good memories with family uh, and friends. The Hildebrands went to the Black Hills this summer and across Mount Rushmore off the bucket list. That was awesome. We got up there, we stared at it for 45 seconds (laughs) and then said, what do we do now? It was... (laughs) But it was a really exciting 45 seconds. It really was. So uh, anyway, welcome back for those of you that have been away over the summer. Some of you may be here for the very first time. Welcome here. We know it takes a lot of courage to come to a a new place, not really sure what to expect. Uh, Hopefully you'll find that we're just a whole bunch of normal people. Uh, Most of us are normal. Uh, Some of us aren't. I won't give any names, but uh, we're just a bunch of normal people growing in our uh, experience of God's love and sharing that with one another, and we're really glad that you're with us um, this morning. We're gonna have lots of fun today. So uh, apparently there is an epidemic, so I'm sorry that I have to start with bad news. There is an epidemic sweeping across our land. Now, epidemics are always bad news, right? An epidemic is always a bad thing. You never hear about an epidemic of like uh, good quality high paying jobs, right? You hear about the epidemic of poverty. You never hear about the epidemic of like uh, uh, healthy eating. Right, nutritious food. You hear about the epidemic of of obesity, diabetes. You you never hear of the epidemic of happy kids, but we're hearing about the the epidemic of of, uh, teenage mental illness ravaging kind of our society. this, this article I read a couple of weeks ago in the National Post, actually one of Canada's national newspapers, says that there, there's this growing ep- epidemic in our land uh, they call the epidemic of loneliness. In fact, I, have, I printed the article here. Uh, the headline is this. This was uh, August 13th. Researchers are working on a pill for loneliness. As studies suggest, the condition is worse than obesity. We're only beginning to understand uh, how widespread loneliness is in our communities and how devastating that is to us as human beings. Uh, The the stats were pretty stark. You can find it online. Uh, It said that a recent study of Canadians found that half of Canadians often feel lonely, chronically. It said that four in 10 Canadians, 40% of us, say that, that we wish we had someone to talk to, but we don't. That's 40%. Uh, the, the loneliest group of people were women under the age of 35, 35 and down, according to statistics, the, the loneliest group. Uh, the percentage of, of Canadians living alone in their own dwelling, all by themselves, has quadrupled since 1951. That's pretty amazing. So part of that is a lot of us, we're just, we're living alone. We're maybe isolated from other people. 
An American study it talks about in here found that half of Americans say that they lack companionship or meaningful relationships, half. Uh, The number who feel that they had no one to talk to in their life has tripled since 1984. That's when I was a boy. Since the time I was a boy, three times as many people say that they have nobody in their life to talk to, to help them carry their burdens. They're lonely. There was another interesting stat in there. Uh, They did a survey of people in Britain and they found that six uh, six in 10 people in Britain reported that their pet was their closest companion. Now, some of you, you're in that number, aren't you? Right? There's some, some of you here, like, what's the big deal? What's wrong with that? That's sad, okay? That's sad. Um, but it's real. We've, uh, we've never lacked community like we do today, which is pretty incredible. There, there's more human beings on this planet than there has ever been in human history. And yet we have fewer meaningful relationships than ever. Like we've never ever lived in bigger communities ever as human beings and yet we've never experienced less community than we do right now. So there's this epidemic uh, of of loneliness and um, maybe that describes you this morning. There's some of you here, whether, whether you're visiting this morning, you're from the community, or, or whether you've been a part of this church for a while, there, there's people in here that feel lonely. You would say, yeah, that's me. Are you lonely? Is, is, is that you? Would you say you're lonely? Do you have any meaningful, supportive relationships? Is the answer a pill? I don't know, maybe they can try to like change the chemistry of our brain so that we feel different things. I, I just, that doesn't sound like that ought to be the solution to loneliness. It seems like maybe God had a better solution to loneliness than a pill, and he, and he has, and the Bible talks about it, and it's called community. Community is the solution to loneliness, to isolation. The Bible talks a lot about community. That's what we're gonna talk about for a few minutes um, here this morning. They're finding that the consequences of loneliness are greater than than anyone ever thought. In fact, it has a greater uh, negative effect on a human being, loneliness, than obesity, pollution, and physical inactivity combined. That's how bad it is for body, mind, and spirit. In body, it increases, the article said, 26% chance of premature death if you're lonely. It increases the risk of heart disease, dementia, and it depresses your immune system. Loneliness, who thought? It makes you mentally sick. It leads to depression, it leads to anger issues. We see on the news all the time people shooting up Walmarts and schools, what sort of people do that? Different types of people, but almost always lonely people. Lonely people. We find out inevitably, so-and-so was a loner, Loneliness makes us mentally unwell. It makes us spiritually unwell, as we'll see here in our time together. The Bible speaks of the danger of of isolation. It talks about Satan, the devil, uh, as someone who's prowling around like a lion, looking for someone to devour. 
And, and it's using kind of this picture that we know well. You ever seen a National Geographic documentary, right? The Serengeti? And, and how, does a, how does a devil, or how, how does a lion get its prey? What does it do? What's the tactic for a lion to devour that wildebeest, that gazelle? What does it do? It tries to separate one from the pack, doesn't it? Because there's strength in numbers. The animal kingdom tells us that there's strength in numbers. But if it can separate one from the pack, and if it's all alone, it doesn't matter how strong it is, it's vulnerable. Isolation, loneliness makes us vulnerable in all sorts of, of different ways. And, and you know, we're only, again, starting to understand the impact of that because we've lived in a society to this point that has uh, kind of promoted rugged individualism. I remember uh, in, as a teenager watching a movie called The Power of One. Maybe some of you have seen The Power of One. And we trumpet the power, the change that one person can make. And there is incredible power in one person. One person can accomplish great things, but one person can't do everything. One person can't have community. You can't do everything on your own, we're finding out. Nor should you try. So this morning, we're gonna discover that uh, God's answer to, to loneliness, to that problem, is, is uh, community. So I want us to see this morning God's plan for community and how we can uh, live that out uh, together um, as a family of people. Um, we see right at the beginning of the Bible that God the Father designed us for community. You don't have to go far in the Bible. Genesis chapter two, God makes the world, God makes man. And then he looks at man and he says in uh, Genesis chapter two, verse 18, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. I need to make a companion for him. Now, we often think of, of that uh, as, as God making marriage and marriage is an important part of community, but God had in mind far more than marriage there. He was talking about the need as human beings for community that he had designed us to thrive in the context of real community with other people. God made us that way. We need community. In this article, there was, which is of course a secular article, there was a neuroscientist there by the name of, of Dean Burnett, and he said the human brain is an incredible uh, social organ. He said they're finding out more and more how intensely social we are as a species, and he even argues that the human beings are the most social creature of all. Why? God made us that way. To have community with him, to have community with one another. That's God's design. Jesus, God the Son, when he comes into the world, Jesus modeled community. Right at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, if you know the story of his life, right at the very beginning, one of the first choices he makes is what? He chooses. It didn't happen by accident. He chooses to gather around him a small group of people that he can go deep with and be real with called his disciples, the 12 disciples. And so right at the beginning, Jesus chooses community. Now if there's anyone in, the, in human history that probably could have been all right, done okay without community, I would have thought it would have been Jesus. Like he's the, he's the full package. 
He doesn't need anyone's help. And yet here he is, the perfect one, choosing at the very beginning to surround himself with community. Why does he do that? Well, I I think Jesus does that because he knows he has something to, to gain and because he has something to give. Because in community, we all have something to gain and we all have something to give. And so you see in the story of Jesus' life how he took some of these closest companions of his and he took uh, them with him up to the, just the summit of his life, to the, to the highest point in his life, to the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm not gonna go into the story, but, but where he goes and he reveals in, in, the, in, in a fuller way who he really is as the Son of God, and he brings his closest companions with him into that moment. And then at the very lowest moment of his time on earth in the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus goes to the cross, the night before he dies on the cross, and he knows what's coming. We're told that he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, and what does he do? He gathers those same guys and he brings them with and he says to them, my soul is deeply troubled and distressed. Watch with me, Jesus says. Watch with me. I need your support. Now, Jesus thought he needed community. How much more us? Jesus modeled this in his life, living in the context of these deep relationships with this group, going everywhere together. We all have something to gain and we all have something to give in community. I've heard it said that you can impress people from a distance, but you can only influence people up close. We all have something to give and we all have something to gain in community. So, so, so God the Father, he designed us for community. Jesus modeled community. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, uses community as much as anything else to shape us to be the people God wants us to be. God uses community to shape us. And the Bible says that over and over uh, again. You know, uh, here on Labor Day, Monday, I took the girls to Assiniboine Downs to the horse races because I just wanted to make some bets, see if I could win some money, and um, <clears throat> gonna get a call from the elders this week. Now, I uh, never been to the horse races, but hey, this would be fun, so uh, brought the three girls and uh, went up and sat in the grandstands, watched one race, which was 30 seconds long, and then you had to wait 25 minutes for the next race, so we just left, because we're like, um, but, but the, the horses trotted out and they all had a jockey on their back. And if, if you know anything about horse racing, you know that jockeys are small people. They tend to be short and quite lean. And I said to the girls, why do you think the jockeys are always small people? And I thought it'd be maybe kind of obvious. And then uh, Pippa kind of has an inquisitive look, my youngest, and she looks up and she says, is it because they drink too much coffee? She said. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. So in our household, I don't know if that's one of those wives' tales or if it's a thing, that's what we tell the girls. You can't drink coffee because it stunts your growth, right? (laughs) Annika, don't drink coffee, it stunts your growth. So I guess Pippa's listening and jockeys drink too much coffee, but uh, it stunts their growth. But you know what does stunt our growth? Lack of community. Because God uses community to shape us become the people he wants us to be, the people we can be, the people we were made to be. 
And you see this throughout the scriptures. I mean, it says this in Ecclesiastes 4. You normally hear these verses at a wedding, but they're not actually marriage verses, okay? They're verses about community. This is what it says. Some of you, you know this well. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though, they, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Essentially what that's saying is two people's a lot better than one. In fact, they're more powerful than the sum of their parts. And you know what's better than two? Three. Talking about the power and the benefits of community in our life because if we don't have it, our growth is stunted. Whether it be spiritual growth, whether it just be emotional well-being, it's stunted. If we lack community, two is better than one. There's a key verse here that uh, we find in Proverbs 27, verse 17, uh, which says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, it's maybe pretty evident what that means to you. I don't know, like the people that this was written to, they knew exactly what he was talking about because he was using an analogy of everyday life. Oh, iron sharpens iron, right? Like, We sharpen our knives, we use one knife to sharpen another knife. Iron sharpens, so so this was a part of everyday life back in the day for us. I've never seen this happen. I go to Ikea, I buy a knife, I come home, it gets dull, I throw it away and I go back to Ikea and get another knife, right? So I've never used iron to sharpen iron. But you know, you go to Lower Fort Gary, you go to these places and you watch how they do it and, and you kind of understand this, right? You understand this principle. Iron sharpens iron. And so he's talking about a sharp knife. Now, now knives were created to be sharp. I brought two from home here. Hopefully grab the right end. <laughs> So knives are created to be sharp. Uh, a dull knife is, is just is not all a knife could be. It, it, in its very existence, it it's, needs to be sharp. And so how do you sharpen a knife? Well, I guess this is something like, am I doing it right? Grandmas and grandpas in the room here back, <laughs> any pioneer people? Um, a knife, by its very design, is supposed to be sharp, right? And it takes another piece of iron to make iron sharp. And, and pretty obvious what he's saying. He's saying it takes another person to make you sharp. To make you the best you could be, the way that you were designed to be, it requires others. It requires community. And so, uh, if there's a principle that I'd like us all to take home and just to kind of ponder and hopefully believe it's this. You cannot grow spiritually unless you're connected relationally. We believe this is true. This is what the Bible teaches. We cannot grow spiritually unless we are connected relationally. I just want to dwell on that word connected. What does it mean to be connected? We all have a whole bunch of different relationships. People that are lonely, it's not that they don't have relationships. They have relationships of a certain type. 
What does it look like to be connected relationally? And that's where I think maybe this analogy that, that God gives us as of iron sharpening iron maybe helps us to understand what connected relationship, what community actually looks like. And I think it, it requires three different things as we think about iron sharpening iron here. Um, the first thing is that community is connected relationship that is close relationship. A couple years ago, they made Facebook. Some of us can remember life before Facebook. My kids can't. That's all they know. And they're the most anxious people. And there's an epidemic of teenage anxiety and depression and isolation. Do those things go together? I think they're finding more and more they do. They're, they're finding more and more that what they call social media actually cr- makes us to be quite anti-social. You know, everyone puts just a part of themselves out there, maybe the best part, but you are so far removed from your 850 friends, right, that that you never develop or receive the benefits of any deep, meaningful, supportive relationships because that requires closeness. So many people, they've got all sorts of Facebook friends, but, but no real friends, and as we think of a knife, like, You could do this all day long. And I will. (laughs) And is this knife gonna get sharp? What does it require? Contact. Closeness, Because this is never gonna make any person sharp. You need to have close relationship. That's one thing this whole analogy uh, shows us, that we need to be together. We need to be close enough. You need people that are close enough to you that they know if you're having a good day or a bad day. Close enough that they know you're, close enough that they're asking you, Rusty, how are you doing? I know you just started that new job last week and you were anxious about that. How'd the first week go? Honestly, tell me, how you doing? Have anyone like that? Close enough to you that they know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Someone who can listen and ask questions. That requires close relationship. Uh, The second thing that connected relationship is, is it's calculated relationship. Now, maybe that's not the best word to use, but I'm like one of these OCD pastors that needs to alliterate everything, forgive me. And so I just, I want to use the word purposeful. I went, I went to the thesaurus. Syn- a synonym for purposeful is calculated. So when I say calculated relationship, I mean purposeful, thoughtful, intentional. Isn't that what the word calculated means? It's not something that just happens. It's something that's thought through. It's intentional. It's purposeful. It's calculated. That's what community true community and connected relationship is. It must be calculated because you know what? Iron striking iron iron doesn't always make it sharper, does it? I could even do this. That ain't good, right? Okay, close, yeah, close, but not just close. Calculated. When you use iron to sharpen iron, well, you have to have it at the right angle and the right movements, and that makes it sharper. Iron on iron can also make you dull, and some of you, you know that, right? I mean, not in your own life, 
but you've got some 20-something-year-old son and you go, man, those relationships, his close relationships, his community is not making my boy sharper. I wish he'd find some new friends, right? It's not just close relationship. It's what is this relationship for? Calculated relationship. What is the purpose of it? The purpose of connected relationship, of community, at least the way the scriptures describes it, is, is, is someone who is there, who sees it as a part of their responsibility in this relationship to listen, to encourage, to pray for, to give good advice, to really care. Most people don't have that. When they say they're lonely, they're not saying, I don't have coworkers and I don't have people I, 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 I go to the bar with. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, I don't have anybody that I have calculated relationship with. The sort that makes me sharper, the sort that's gonna listen to me, that wants to listen, the sort that's asking questions, the sort, that, the sort that's giving good advice, the sort that's gonna come and pray with me and help me to carry my burdens because we all need people to carry our burdens. Calculated relationship. Community doesn't just happen. Have, have you ever noticed that the things in life that just happen aren't normally good things? You ever notice that? Come on. You wake up. I'm not the only one. You wake up, get out of bed. Of course, you're in your underwear. You walk to, to the mirror in, in, in front of the mirror in your bathroom, and you go, do you go, oh my, where did the six-pack come from? How did that get there? You ever done that? Has anyone ever done that? No. You go, these pants don't fit. How did that happen, right? That just happens. Getting lean doesn't just happen. Has anyone ever looked at their bank statement and said, how did I get all this money? This never happened to me. It's like, where did all this debt come from? Debt just happens, right? Same in marriage. No one looks at their marriage, wakes up, and how did I get this strong, fulfilling marriage? You never ask that. It's what went wrong? How did we grow apart? The things that just happen are, are, are never the g- good things, and, and it's no different in community. No one wakes up and says, how did I get such good friends? How did I get such meaningful, supportive relationships? No, no, no one asks that. They ask, how did I, get, how do I, why do I feel so alone? Why am I so isolated? Because community doesn't just happen. That's what calculated relationship means. It means it's intentional. It's a choice, as it was a choice for Jesus. And it takes effort. It takes work, and it's worth it. I mean, the word community means just two words smashed together, common and unity. People who are united around a common purpose. Right? This isn't guys at the lounge talking pickup trucks and Jets games. That's not community. Community is coming around uh, together with one another with the purpose of building up one another, encouraging one another, helping one another grow. It's built around a purpose. It's intentional. And because of that, it needs to be planned 
It doesn't just happen. You got to think of the degree and the movement. So community is connected relationship, that it's, it's close relationship, it's calculated relationship, and, and thirdly here, it's consistent relationship. Because, hey, you can be close, and you can be calculated, and you can do this. Not a lot's happened. Got to do that a bunch of times, right? Because knives don't stay sharp. You use them, and they get dull. And you need to do it again. And our lives, too. We go through life. We make messes. We have burdens. We have struggles. Things happen. We need community that is consistent relationship. Um, nobody, what, all that to say, community is not like, hey, I'm in trouble, I can't start my car, I need a boost. Hey neighbor, would you come give me a boost? Great, thanks a lot, no, I've, I've got it from here, I'm good, and you just keep running on your own. No, no, community is a bit more like, does anyone have a Tesla? No. No, you would live in an apartment building down in downtown Winnipeg if you had a Tesla, right? I mean, we own Hummers in Stonewall. No, we don't. I actually own too many vans. That's it. I just... Maybe Tesla, you got to plug it. you, you, you got to go and then it loses its charge and you got to charge it in again if you're going to keep going. If a knife's going to be sharp, it requires consistent contact. Community is consistent relationship. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, near the end of the Bible, it says, uh, as an instruction to us, the church, encourage one another as long as it is called today so your heart will not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness so that you will not become dull. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So I think what he's saying is, hey, if you ever wake up one morning and, and that day isn't called today, if that day is called tomorrow, then you don't need this. But if you wake up in the morning and that day is called today, you need community. You need to be encouraged and you need to encourage other people because that's how we grow. That's how we get and stay sharp. As Soon as you think you don't need it, you're vulnerable. It, it involves continual investment to bring a return. So community is, cal is, is connected relationship that's close, it's calculated, and it's consistent. That's community, the community that we all need. At, at New Life Church, one of our highest um, values is community. One of our highest priorities at New Life Church is to build those sort of relationships to build meaningful, supportive relationships. That's one of our highest goals here at the church because we think that's so in, in, incredibly um, important. How do we do that? We want everyone, by the way, we want everyone. It doesn't, doesn't matter your age, your marital status, your background. We wanna be a place where everybody can build those sort of relationships, can find that community. That's our goal. So, so if you're visiting and wondering, what are, what are we all about? That's what we're about. We want to help everybody find the community that they need to grow, become all that they can be. How do we do that? We do it the same way the first church did. You know, you go back into the book of Acts, which is the story of the first church, 
This isn't a novel idea here. We're not just kind of doing new things in a modern age. Um, this is what the very first church does, did. You, you look in Acts chapter two, this is the first description of the church. It talks about how, how Peter, one of those close companions of Jesus, shared the message of, of Jesus' death and resurrection, what that means, and we're told that on that day, 3,000 people, 3,000 people believed. And 3,000 people were baptized that day and became part of the church. That's a mega church, that's, that's a big church. And then it says that this group of people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which is eating together, and to prayer. They did those things together. This is on day one of the church. And then it says this a few verses later. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What did they do, the first church? They gathered together in the temple courts. They came together in that public place, all of them. There was a big group of them. They all came together. And then after that, during the week, they went in one another's homes. They went in living rooms. And they did a few things together. They studied. They prayed for one another. They had fellowship. They built relationships. They ate together. They helped one another. They had community. This was the first church. Big church, small church. Hey, Temple Court's living room, right from the beginning. We strive to be a church that's exactly the same. We want to follow their example. The main way we do that at New Life Church is through life groups. It's not new. That's Acts chapter 2. Life groups. What is a life group? Many of you, you're familiar with that concept. If you're not, what is a life group? A life group is a small group of people, roughly around 12. We thought a good enough number for Jesus, Right around 12, give or take, people with different backgrounds, close, that's close relationship. It's a small group that meets every week or two. That's consistent relationship for the purpose of doing a few things, for the purpose of building those relationships, which is fellowship, for the purpose of eating food together, for the purpose of studying God's word together, having good spiritual conversation, and for the sake of praying together bearing one another's burdens. The same things they did in Acts chapter two from the very beginning. That's calculated relationship. Life groups is the way, the primary way in our church that we do community. That's where we build close, calculated, consistent relationships. And so whether this morning, whether you're a long timer in this church or whether you're a first timer, whether you're really seasoned in your faith and really committed, or you're at the very beginning and you're just exploring and asking questions, it doesn't matter who you are and where you come from, we'd love to see everyone find that sort of community uh, in a life group at, at New Life Church. Why? Well, because coming back to the principle, because we believe this and the Bible teaches this. You cannot grow spiritually or emotionally in any way, for that matter. You cannot grow spiritually unless you are connected relationally. You cannot grow spiritually unless you are connected relationally. We are better together. And there's a saying that says, if you want to go faster, go alone. If you want to go farther, go. You ever heard that? If you want to go faster, Go alone. If you want to go farther, go together. We're better together. We're better when we have community because we were made for community. There is great power in community. 
There was a woman named Judy who entered uh, the front door of our church for the very first time a year and a half ago, and this is Judy's story. Let's just take a listen. About a year and a half ago, a Stonewall woman walked through the doors of our church and became part of our congregation. Her name is Judy Acoin. And the other evening, I sat down with Judy and we had a conversation about her part in the church and more importantly, the impact that small groups has had on her life. I started New Life because I felt God calling me in. Every time I drove by, something was saying, come on in, come on in, try it, you'll like it. Give us a chance. And then I finally went in on, it was February 24th, you know, my first Sunday, and it was Tony that that greeted me at the door. And uh, he said I look like a deer in the headlights. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have a clue what to expect. And he guided me in to go and sit down. And, and it was the music and the warmth of belonging. Walking into the church for the first time, it was an overwhelming, wonderful feeling of belonging. And like I said, it's just, and then when Pastor Andrew phoned me and asked me if I wanted to be, I said, I had no clue what a small group was. <laughs> so then he explained to me. And I thought, yeah, why not? You know, how are you going to get to know people if you're staying in the house, you know, not branching out? So, yeah. What happened next? Well, like I said, I was February 24th. I walked in and stayed for the service and loved it. And then I went on to the airplane on February 26th, sat down, looked up, and there was uh, Eric and Pastor Rusty, whom I just met on Sunday. And I don't know, I wish I had a camera because the look on his face <laughs> was priceless. <laughs> How did you end up in a life group? Uh, Pastor Andrew phoned me and asked if I wanted to be in one, and I said, sure. He said, did it matter who I was with? And I says, no. And then he asked me who I had met already. So that's how I ended up in our group. And how long have you been in that group? It's gone by so fast. Yeah, I think it just coming up to a year. We started last fall. What were your expectations? It was more than what I expected. It was, it was, it was nice to be in a group that you were supported and could help grow in, in discovering who you are and who Christ is. And, it felt like a family. It feels like a family. It does. And uh, being away this summer has been really hard. <laughs> you, you look for people to, to see them again. And I've bumped into Nancy and, and uh, Brian a bit, but it's, yeah, it's, it's more than what I expected. And I really felt comfortable with it right away. So. What else draws you in? It's reflection of, I like the way we're going this year. We're, we're reflecting on what Re Pastor Rusty is going to be talking about, and we reflect on it and grow on it, and what we got, what we are going to get out of his um, his service. And is there anything else? It's it's the learning because you always look at something different because you listen to someone else. You go, oh, I never thought of it that way. Support, you know, and I always. I'll walk in and I might have had a bad day, but it doesn't take long for it to disappear and, and the feeling of belonging, you know, it's the, I don't know if that's the right word, belonging, but it's, it, the support is the biggest thing, 
biggest thing. So you said it's family for you? Yeah, I find like it, it has, because I don't have anybody. I don't have anybody really in, the, in town, like my family. And so it's nice. It's nice. And uh, they don't judge. They're not there to judge you and, and run you down. And they want you to feel welcomed and, and find, find you. I'm finding me. <laughs> and I have found some, but I, I, I don't like, like I said, I don't like being this. I feel like I'm disconnected over the summer. I just feel like I'm lost. And I feel like, no, nope, we're going, coming together next week. And that to me has just been the highlight to see everybody and to be a part of the group again. Um, and learning as you come to these groups about how he touches everybody else's life also is, is amazing. Like, it's hard to describe in words. You have to go and you have to sit one, go to one and, and be a part of the group. And if it's not you, try another one. Don't give up because there are, uh, last time I heard there was 22 of us out there. Everybody will find somebody to be a part of a group. Don't give up. Judy's right down there. Well done, Judy. Good job. Thank you, Neil, for putting together the video. He is more animated in person, in real life, than he was up there. Trust me, he's a pretty animated character. But he did a good job putting that together. Um, you know what? Nothing really excites me as a pastor. Hey, I love it when there's a new face here, but you know what I love more? When I see somebody from this church, from this community, come in and get connected and build those relationships that are really transformative in their life. That's what excites me. And Judy's story is a story of, of many others, and we want it to be your story. And so um, this week, life groups, most of our life groups are picking up this week. Uh, we're gonna be starting new groups. We're always starting new groups and integrating uh, people into those groups. Neil, who you saw in the video, he's our life group coordinator. He's gonna be outside with, here just in a few moments when we head out to the festival. There's going to be a tent and there's a table under that tent and Neil is going to be there and, and if you're someone, maybe you've been a part of this church for a long time, maybe this is your very first Sunday, but if you are lacking in community this morning, if you find yourself feeling alone, you don't need to be. And I just would really encourage you to go and to find Neil, he'll be at that table, and just to either sign up and say, I want to be a part of this or just ask whatever questions you might have. Uh, we really want to help you find that community because that's one of our highest uh, priorities here at New Life Church. We're not saying that Life Group is the only way to get community, but, but we are saying it's a great way. It's a great way that's available to each and every one of you because we all need community. God made you for it. God made you for it. So a few questions I have. Um, just as we bring this to a close and have one final song. For you to ponder now and to kind of take home with you, what in your life gets in the way of community? Is there anything getting in the way of community in your life? You know, I, I, I can only imagine um, for some that might sound awesome, but you might feel like your life is just too busy. There's just too many other things requiring your time. Or maybe 
Maybe there's just fear and trepidation, the sort of fear that Judy had when she first came, right? That's normal. Everybody experiences some of, of the fears kind of of the unknown of what that's gonna mean and look like. But, but for you, if there's lack of community in your life, what gets in the way of the lack of community? Is it busyness? Is it fears? Maybe past bad experiences? You've been in something like that in the past and it just didn't go so well maybe for you? You say, I don't know. What in your life might get in the way of community? Um, and, and then maybe to ask yourself, what, w- when you think of what you might need to give up to make room for community, what might you be giving up by not having community? What might you be missing by missing community? So think on that question, and then this is the other question I want you to ponder. What step can you take this week to say yes to community? Maybe it's life group. Maybe it's something else, you know? It's not just that you need this, it's others need you. We all have something to give and we all have something to gain. What step can you take this week to say yes to community? I just wanna give us an opportunity to to put those questions before God. We're just gonna have a moment of prayer. Feel free if you wanna close your eyes and bow your head. I just wanna give you a moment before I close in prayer just to ask those questions to God. Just say, God, what does that look like in my life? What step do I need to take, God, in order to embrace the community that you want for me? God, we thank you that not only did you make us, we're not, not just here because of you, but, but you love us deeply and you care so intimately about our lives and our well-being and we know that because you sent your son Jesus Christ into the world and he took on flesh and he went to the cross and he died on that cross and he rose from the dead to make a way through our sin and our messes to make a way through death so that we might experience the fullness of life now and forever. You did that for us. Lord, because you want us to know community with you and you want us to know community with one another. That's what we were made for. And so, Father, as we've just heard these these words and your word, uh, as we go from here, Lord, I, I just pray that these questions would just stay on our hearts and on our minds, Lord, and that you would show us what it is you would have us to do to take, to take a step forward into community and what, what we might need to do in our life just to make a place for that because it's oh so important. So Father, just guide us so that each one of us might have those relationships in our lives that we need in order to be the people that you've made us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand?